0: Good evening, my fellow lovers of love. Thank you for joining us on yet another excursion down the stream of consciousness towards the river of tranquility and on towards a lake of love. I love it. I love it. That was a good one. Love That's what I get. I should, I should you probably. You should
1: take the quarter.
0: I should, yeah, I know. I should give myself a quarter back, but I should also, maybe I should, i try to untangle my cord while I'm doing it more often. I just maybe. It's <laughs> <laughs> Okay, for those of you who are watching on the thing, you know that I'm. For those of you on the podcast, I just my cable was all tied up. So anyway, uh, this early this evening, I wasn't feeling very well, so I'm just kind of sitting back watching YouTube videos earlier this afternoon, trying to prepare for the show, trying to figure out how to kind of frame the start of the show. And so I was ended up watching a YouTube video about a guy who apparently earns a living making YouTube videos, flying around. Reviewing airlines and airplanes and whatnot from around the world, which oh, is oh, what a fun job! Which is kind of interesting, but the one I caught him watching was he went to the least used airport in the United States, some place called Alliance, Alaska, and of course he gets there on a day where it's negative 30 degrees, and this is a small airport. The average is like I forget if it was six or eight people a day. So there's not like there's taxi services or bus services or anything like that. So when he flies into this thing, he's and he's supposed to fly out the next day, he's not even sure how he's going to get to his hotel five miles into this town in the middle of freaking nowhere. <laughs> and, of course, but, of course, it's a small town in the middle of Nebraska. And so what happens when he gets off? Someone on the plane has his brother-in-law or something bring had him bring was bringing his Polaris over to come with, you know Polaris it's a I don't know it's kind of like a car but different. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> and you can I drive it on I the don't know what Well I'm you can on. you can drive it on the road, but it's also an off road vehicle. It, it's kind of a multi it's kind of like a four wheeler with an actual body and thing on it. Anyway, it's it's a, a cool little thing. If you're in the middle of Nebraska you know exactly what one is so anyway, so he gets his Polaris, he gives it just decides to give the guy a ride home. And, of course, the, his brother-in-law or whatever happens to be the grandson of the person who owns the hotel the guy's staying at, you know, because...
1: <laughs> <laughs> because that's the way it goes.
0: Because that's the way it goes. And so they take he takes him to the hotel. So he drops off the somebody's sister at her house, and he drops off the guy at his house, and he takes the guy to the hotel, makes sure, hey, do we have a way to get this guy back to the you know, we start asking the lady, is there a way to get this guy back to the airport in the morning? You know, he's got a plane to get out of here and then the snow's coming in. Are we going to have a way to get him back? And so someone from the airport will come get him. We'll call the airport. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and so, you know, so everybody's trying to make sure he's got away. We got you here. because It's 30 degrees outside. We can't leave you on your own. And so, and so what ends up happening is later on in the afternoon, the the owner of the, of the um, hotel, it's a comfort inn, so it's like a franchise hotel, but it's, a, you know, just a comfort inn, just a regular inn in some hotel, some nowhere town. It's got a McDonald's and an Arby's and, <laughs> you know, in a dollar store, but, you know, it's kind of it. It's got a little brewery apparently seven miles away because the owner of the thing came in and said, hey, you're a YouTuber, let's go drive you around town, we'll show you the site. Which, of course, doesn't take very long, and, you know, minus 30 degrees, and town in the middle in alliance nebraska is what it's called it was alliance nebraska some little town somewhere and so as the guy the next morning the owner of the hotel gets up it's still dark dark, dark 30 right and the owner of the town gets him up there make sure he gets to the airport on time safely He's the only guy who made it. There was only like there's two or three people flying out. He's the only guy that made it in time to catch the airport, the airplane, which he was amazed. Was that this airplane had no problems taking off in minus whatever it was degrees weather. It's really impressive, and it must be the most comfortable airplane in the planet because they're staggered seats. And you know they're just a little dinky airplane. It's not like a seven thirty seven prop airplane, but they get to sit laying back. They got so much legroom you could literally lay down in these. <laughs>
1: nice
0: <laughs> but there's only two rows of seats you get one seat here and then he staggered it anyway so it's this little dinky plane and the whole, but he says he's always going to remember this town this is this guy from Britain he says he's always going to remember this town because the from the minute he stepped out he says it was like family they treated him like family they made sure he was safe they made sure he was no one he said I didn't know how I was getting to my hotel and yet that was you know this Family essentially, this little town took care of him, brought him into their yes. hearts, into their family. Yes. They went out, they found him you know, he hung out, had some beers at the brewery, you know, seven miles outside of town the other way, <laughs> you know. But this little town took him in, and it got me thinking. We focus so much on the negative aspects of life, and it makes sense because we are as human beings, we're programmed to look for dangers. You know, we're prey. We are predators, but we're also prey. And so we are always looking for dangers and opportunities. It's kind of the human condition. Even though in the modern world, we actually don't have to do that. But we are programmed that way. Hundreds of thousands of years of evolution programmed us that way. Served us well. But, you know, at times, we have to remember to step back and look at the reality of life. And the reality is, what happened to that man... In this little town in nowhere, Nebraska, little town, Alliance, Alliance, Nebraska, let's not call it nowhere, it's a someplace. It, clearly, it spoke to this man's heart. So, it, Alliance, Nebraska, but it's everywhere. It happens everywhere all day, but we don't perceive it. I don't want to say we ignore it, because that's not true. It's not that we ignore it. We're not that heartless. It's just we're so busy looking everywhere else. We're so worried about what's around the corner, the shoe might drop, all the daily stresses of life. So it's completely understandable. But, you know, making sure we add that perspective in there, take the time to make sure you, you know, poets, philosophers, have always spoken about taking the time to stop and smell the roses. That's what they mean. It's not a literal rose. It's enjoy the life around you. It's the little things that make life worth living. Sure, you know, vacations are fun. You know, big events are fun, but life is made from little things. And I think that reality gets lost, and we need to do a better job in our own lives. do we call pointing fingers. This is a mirror. This is an exercise for you in the mirror. This is for nobody else, you know? To be more appreciative of the little things in life, because those are the genuinely good things. That and the children's laughter. I say, every time I get to hear a toddler laugh, bring a smile to my face. So,
1: yes, we have a grandson in the
0: house. He's got a great laugh. You know, all children have great laughs. So you know, and, I, and it's you know, you're a grandpapa, and so you hear your grandson laugh, and you think, ah, that's the greatest laugh in the world. But the sound of a child laughing, regardless of the individual laugh, you know, unless it's one of those screechy laughs. But even then, if the child's actually having a good time, it's hard to be cranky at it, even though, apparently, sadly to say, you get some reality. In Eng- Apparently in England somewhere, I read a story, and this is kind of where a. Uh, This lady got her, the police called on her because she had uh, her children playing too loud.
1: Playing too loud?
0: Yes, and the people didn't like it. And And so they called the police. And over there, of course, they called the police saying that they had 15 people at a party when in the UK they're only allowed to have six. Of course, they didn't. They only had six. But, you know, they didn't care. It wasn't the point. Their neighbor doesn't like children. Oh, the noise of children. Well, she so got triplets. Triplets are going to make noise, man. you are going to be noisy.
1: Children are members of our society. Yeah. They have rights.
0: And do you want to really want to live in a world where you tell children to not play, to not be happy? And you've been in – they're in England. Their children have been essentially locked into nothing but their own garden, their own backyard. They call it a garden their own backyard for a year. What else are they supposed to do? But it's hard to say. You know, it's, I think this last year has been hard on everybody. And if you're an older couple and you're used to being quiet and then you get a house with three young children, you know, move in next to you, I suppose how the change can be difficult.
1: But, That's true. That's true. It takes some adjusting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not used to the laughing and the screaming because you know how you know young kids laughing and, and screaming the,
1: and the crying and
0: the, 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 yeah, yeah, and, and then you know, screaming and laughing can be the sounds can border very closely. You know, I raised five kids. Trust me. Are you guys screaming or laughing? It's hard to tell sometimes. It's hard right. to tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to tell sometimes. So, but, you know, still, I like to think that Alliance Nebraska is more common than Cranky Karen. We just notice Cranky Karen because she's like the sore thumb. Yeah, you notice the sore thumb. You don't pay attention to the nine other ones that work, nine other fingers that are working right. You pay attention to one that's sore. Of course, you don't pay attention to the ones that work right, because they're working. There's nothing to pay attention to. <laughs> but, you know, you should think about them more often. If you're like me, take better take care of my feet. So, you had some stuff we wanted to talk about today. You had want to talk about bipolar again, because we know that you have, that's your kind of, your area in our mental health. And we talk about anxiety and things a lot around here, so let's... Let's dig in. We had what was it? Four miss that the health the health experts wanted to. Hey, what happened to it? It just what changed. happened to it? It just changed on me. It changed on me too. God, these this website of, that you chose on this. Hold on, we apologize for this, but this website is being weird. You're gonna have to go back and re-click it. I think.
1: All right. Four myths about bipolar disorder. Uh, Bipolar disorder means having mood swings.
0: Well, that's a manifestation of bipolar disorder. That's one of the symptoms, yes, but it is not what it means.
1: It's not, not. It doesn't define it, no. No,
0: and you can actually have bipolar without having the mood swings. I mean, there's the most common symptom but you can actually have bipolar disorder without having the mood swings or at least the noticeable mood swings
1: Well, I know with medication it's it's controlled with with me, thank goodness. I respond very well to medication. Uh, my mood swings would not <clears throat> would normally run like every 6 weeks. I would go through uh the uh depressed period I normally do uh am unable to manage it um so it's not it's not like within a day up and down and up and down it's not like that
0: no well it can be if it, can,
1: it can be when i when I wasn't medicated i did I, yeah. oh my gosh yes. Yeah.
0: Well, I I think the point is that the manifestations of of it, the way it manifests itself. I keep losing that page. Okay. The manifestation of itself is um, different based upon, you know, personalities and traumas and all the various things that go into how these things manifest themselves. So, you know, you, every myth has to be brought in with a grain of salt. Let's see if I can do this.
1: Okay. Mood shifts are myth. Mood shifts are rapid and constant. The highs and lows are more extreme than the average person, but they also last several days or weeks.
0: Yes. Well, again, it's one of was-
1: They do for me. Well, they the, do for me. Now for other people, I I I've seen rapid cycling and I've experienced it myself. It's it's hard. It's real tough. Yeah, it's, it's it's exhausting.
0: which I think is what the point is. You want like many people you won't see them flip flop? It just changed on me. So you better be, beware because it's the website is flopping. Again, we talk about how it manifests. It manifests itself differently for all kinds of people. So beware of these manifestations. It's when you talk about um, stop sharing.
1: Okay, myth. The highs are really high and the lows are extremely low. Um, bipolar is like other conditions; it occurs across a spectrum from mild to severe. Yes.
0: Yeah, and these per and you know your different episodes can have different levels. You know, one time you can have a relatively mild episode, and the next time it can be, you know, the highs can be high and the lows can be low, and, or you can kind of just kind of bounce between. What relative mediums, I suppose, if you want to use those terms. If you want to see, the problem is there's no good way to explain it. Even highs and lows aren't accurate. Right. It's just the best. It's just the best uh, way to describe it we've come up with. It's, you know, unless you've experienced it, it's hard to relate.
1: Well, the highs are manic.
0: Well, the next one we talk about manic. The mania is a euphoric
1: mood. Mania is a myth. Mania is a euphoric mood. Okay. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but for for me, there is a euphoric mood. It's a stage and it's short lived. Uh, and a lot of people I've heard there's they don't want to take their meds because they miss the mania and I miss the manics too. I get a lot done. I feel very productive, I'm energetic
0: you what you is the energy fat. I
1: miss the energy yes
0: yes it's it's the energy because when you on the other side you sap so much of energy that you, you miss i can understand you missing the energy
1: but that doesn't last that's <laughs> just a stage then the real for, for me for me because uh-huh. this is a downward spiral and <laughs> then the mania hits in racing thoughts talking fast loss of appetite reduced need for sleep taking on too many tasks at once a risky behavior for some people uh I used to do risky behavior, but nothing more. A sense of importance and power, that, in my very worst, yes. But that was right before a trip to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have no power.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we all can't have our... Well, I think the, the takeaway from these things is that we have to be very careful when we make judgments because the spectrum that we all live on is not how we perceive it because we perceive based upon our own, and if we implant that perception upon everybody else, we're going to misunderstand what they're going through and oh. when, and when you're talking about something like bipolar unless even people who have bipolar can't really understand what somebody else who has bipolar is going through. They're just the people who can understand it the closest.
1: It's so individual just like any other disorder.
0: So it's and for the rest of us we have to be very careful to not simplify. I mean there's there's a utility to simplification, you know, for the masses. There is a utility for it, so it's not like it's out of a crassness. It's okay, so we, so you can quickly understand, so you can
1: get a framework, and you can continue with the conversation. Continue yes. the conversation, or yes.
0: you know, it may not be something you particularly have to deal with. You just have to have a working knowledge that it exists, and so you don't need anything but a simplistic understanding. So if you come across it, you know where to start. You have to start. Because many people can go through their whole lives and not really have to interact with somebody who has bipolar disorder. And that so I'll, they,
1: That they know of. That
0: they know of. And so all you really have to do is, hey, if someone I care about, I have to be aware enough that if it crosses my path, I'm not going to accidentally do damage. And a simplistic understanding can do that. But if you're trying to help someone you love, someone you care about, a family member, a friend, You're going to have to have a more sophisticated.
1: What? Sophisticated.
0: Sophisticated understanding. Sophisticated concept. Okay. Perception. Yes. Yeah. And you're going to have to understand that you're going to be wrong. But it's okay. Because as long as you're trying to understand. Yeah. It's one of those things. You're never going to get it right. Just keep trying. You'll be fine. Okay, so what do we have in this next? Uh, oh, excuse me. I am. My stomach isn't doing well. Uh, what do you have the next one? I accidentally closed my thing.
1: Five things not to say to your dog.
0: Five things not to say to your dog.
1: Yes. For all Leah, we we don't.
0: Okay. So I don't
1: we, think we acknowledge the uh, fur fur parents. We
0: don't think we acknowledge enough. our fur parent. Uh, okay.
1: Enough. Well, enough. All yeah, right. So. so this is catering to the to the dog the dog crowd. The uh-huh. dog. Yes, and the fur babies. So fur-
0: uh, are, are we going to be sure about this? Because I, I'm already seeing a problem with the very first one. But okay, go.
1: Okay, you're not supposed to say no to your dog because it's too vague.
0: What do you mean it's too vague? There's nothing vague about no.
1: So if a dog, they give an example. A dog is quietly chewing a shoe. Uh-huh. No could refer to the lack of barking, the chewing, or the, or the spot your dog is sitting. It's impossible for your dog to distinguish which one you mean.
0: This person never raised a dog. The dog knows.
1: More importantly, the word no doesn't tell your dog what you want her to do instead.
0: It's a dog. It's not going to understand a complete sentence. So you know why?
1: Well, you have to show it.
0: It's a you, dog. Have to,
1: you have to well, know and, and move it.
0: Well, yes, and, and take
1: a- away the shoe
0: yes and after you've done that a few times then dang well knows that it's not supposed to take mess with the shoe and then saying no does a perfectly good job of expressing your meaning dogs aren't dumb they're simple they need short clear commands you can't confuse them trying to tell a dog a okay simple.
1: so you disagree with that
0: Yes. Now yelling, I I the next okay one
1: number two is yelling. Shouting or yelling at your dog fill them with fear of you, their environment, of certain behaviors. And even lead to reactive behavior.
0: Yes. They're gonna they they're gonna interpret it's unclear how they're gonna interpret it. They could interpret it as dangers approaching or, or or fear. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, actually the under- you want to reserve yelling and tell there's something actually dangerous. So it's an actual symbol of something da- of danger yeah. or need, immediate need. Yeah. So you want to avoid yelling. So it actually sends a message you want when you want it.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Just like you know, yelling anywhere else.
1: Okay, number three come when it's bad news, calling your dog to come when it's time for a bath, a trip to death, and any other experience links the command with an unpleasant experience. Uh, I kind of disagree with this. I think if you say come, the dog should come. They should should obey the command every time.
0: Yeah, well, I think I understand what they're, they're kind of, Confusing themselves here because at on one minute they're saying don't yell at a dog because they don't have the same logic as humans do, and then they're applying human logic to this next thing. Now, in a sense, I can agree. You don't want to continue to trick your dog because then your dog's not going to trust you, your trick's not going to work anymore. So you just want to train your dog to actually come to you when you call him whether it's good, bad news or not.
1: Right, right, exactly.
0: It's, it's you know, but. Yeah, I'm not a dog trainer, so what do I know?
1: Number four, down.
0: When your dog when will you
1: drop.
0: drop. Well, yeah. If you did. well,
1: uh, you, yeah, be... you have to be. You have
0: to be consistent. <laughs> yeah, that's just being consistent in your in your terminology, because again, it's a dog, and you know they're not stupid, but you know they don't speak English, and so you've got to have simple, clear commands one time a dog trainer once who's trained hunting dogs he told me you give your hunting dog a a one-syllable name duke Like you know something that's a simple bow rex you know something that's a single syllable it's because they understand it better because you can actually give them the clear command rex get it's a simple clear command the more the more syllables you add, the less clear the dog will understand it. Ah. Now, that was 20 years ago, so how true that is or not, I don't know, but.
1: I heard you're supposed to give a two-syllable name because your commands are one-syllable, sit, down. Buster is your name, two-syllable. syllables. Ah. I heard that.
0: Well, maybe it's the difference between a hunting dog
1: and a a family dog. And a
0: family dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. uh, Number five nothing. Why it's problematic. Ignoring, Ignoring problem behavior is equally detrimental. I haven't worked with enough dogs to. With problem behavior, to comment on this, I suppose that, you know it's not good to just continue to leave problem behavior. Of course, but I also know a lot of people who have dogs and they've used trainers, very even short term, and, and they've had great results.
0: Yeah, well, I think the important thing with raising your dog as a pet really is being consistent. Yeah, don't confuse it if your dog isn't allowed to get on the couch, don't let him on the couch sometime <laughs> you just you have to be consistent like anything you know be consistent and you'll be all right, but yeah, you can't let him chew your couch apart and then not actually do anything about it, otherwise they'll think it's okay to chew your couch apart
1: yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah. so you know not doing anything is not also, is not an option it's a dog you it's your dog you're obligated to make it civilized to domesticate it it will be happier
1: that's what they want
0: well it's not necessarily that they want but they live in a domesticated world if they're not domesticated they're not going to have a happy life they
1: want to please <laughs> They want to be in a pack. They want yes. They want a hierarchy.
0: But and in order for but for a dog, in order to be successful in the modern world, you have to be domesticated. You just do. It's the only way they're going to survive happily in the modern world. And so it's your duty. It's your dog. You've taken on that responsibility to do that, which is why we don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, whereas we don't have a dog, that's a lot of work. Because I don't, I've raised my kids. I don't need to raise a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I just, no. all right. So what do we else we've got? We've got. We it's a, break time. All right, the lobbyinator needs a break. We will be back in what five minutes? we will take At the five most. Minutes. Yeah, we'll take a couple minutes break all right we are back to ride the rapids of love on to the end of this journey tonight (laughs) i'm quickly running out of energy um anyway to give us our bit of uh advertisement we'll uh If you would like to send a Dear Lovey letter to Lovey over there, she'd love to hear from you. I would. Send it to love at latenightlove.us. You can send us a voice message at anchorfm slash latenightlove. And do us a favor, like, share, subscribe. Do all those good things that social media likes to do. We uh, would greatly appreciate it. All right. So we're going to move on stop telling your kids to be careful.
1: That's the name of the article. Yes. That's what counselors
0: want. How did you post this thing? Cause you miss, you can't stand to not tell everybody on the planet to be careful. So <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I'm taking this to heart with my grandchildren,
0: especially your grandson. Just want to point that out. You know, that, that, young man
1: he's a very sweet young man he knows he he knows my little piccadillos yeah. and he's very he <laughs> caters to them he's so dang sweet
0: yes I know <laughs> be nicer you guys be nicer to him <laughs> I mean you're plenty nice to him don't get me wrong
1: It's it, for me it has to do with safety so yeah, yeah I do say be careful yeah so what you're supposed to say instead is, remember that sticks are sharp. Your sister is standing right next to you. Rocks are heavy.
0: These rocks are slippery. The glass is so top. Well, see, here's the thing. Having raised five kids, they have a point. And it's just it's like always, whenever you write these kind of articles, you have to be overly simplistic and so the point isn't necessarily to not say be careful it's hey be careful these rocks are sl- as you be careful as you cross that stream those rocks are slippery you can s- slip pay attention mind your P's and Q's you don't tell them not to do it you, you give them guidance on how to do it safely yeah. and <laughs> they also learn their lessons <laughs> The hard way sometimes. My son Michael used to jump off the the roof until he landed wrong once and meet himself in the face. He stopped doing that. So, you know.
1: Jumping (laughs) off the roof.
0: Well, they're boys. They're teenage boys. We live on a one story house. It's not that far of a drop jump, to be honest. They're practicing rolling, jumping, landing, and rolling. They're practicing landing. It's Typical boy behavior, it, it just is. We all.
1: I'm slavering. So
0: every every boy on the planet has done something similar. Let's see how far you can jump. See if you can practice rolling. It, it's what we do. And yeah, and he just landed wrong once, hit himself in the face. Didn't actually hurt himself. So well, except you know, hitting yourself in the face fundamentally hurts, but you know, no long term damage. <laughs> there was no trips to the hospital. I didn't even notice it until I noticed the hole in the yard from the knee, from the other people where he landed wrong. He left a big divot in the yard because the ground was wet. So he made a big, huge divot. So where the hell did this come from? Yeah. yeah. He found out that it came from him landing wrong and kneeing himself in the face, which I found hilarious. So... <laughs> Well, because he wasn't hurt. I mean, to come in with his nose on the side of the story, but he clearly learned his lesson without any actual damage. So, you know. I broke my nose when I was a kid playing football. It's not the end of the world. Jeez, you know, these things hurt. You know, these things happen. But you can't have kids go through life being afraid of everything. As someone who went through life being afraid of everything, it's a terrible It's a terrible way to live. And you don't want to install it. You know, teach them how to navigate the dangers. Don't teach them to be afraid of them.
1: Well, I think that is the crux of this article what counselors are saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just. They're
1: instilling fear.
0: Yeah, it's the way articles like this are titled and initially written. kind of clickbaity because that's the world we live in but overall yes you want to be careful you know you want to try to be using your hands sticks rocks need space so they're actually so if you actually get to the end of your yard what's the fucking show
1: you're supposed you're supposed to say notice how these rocks are slippy for example
0: Let's see. Yeah, there we go. So I'm showing the screen. Um, yeah, it's... Let's see. There we go. But see, I think you can actually add, hey, be careful, and remember that sticks are sharp. I think you can actually still say be careful. I don't want... To, I just don't want people to get over-encompassing about... It. Don't over-police your own language, is, is I think is my point. Okay. You know, you want to have your conversations. Want to be natural. You don't want your kids to think you're manipulating them. And if you're and if you're having unnatural, life, if your language is unnatural, if you're over man, manipulating, over managing your own language, your kids will know. You'll be talking differently than they're used to. They're kind of know this. <laughs> and so it's okay to sit here and say, "Hey, be careful. You notice how rock the rock is slippery. You want to be careful as you cross." You know make sure your balance stays, make sure you don't hit that thing unbalanced.
1: Right, right, right.
0: You know, go slow, so make sh- check, make sure that rock is stable, it's not, it's not. I
1: right. like the third one. What's your plan mm-hmm. if you climb up that tree? Cause you're asking a question. You're not, you're not imposing anything on them.
0: Yeah, but boys don't have plans. They just want to <laughs> climb the tree. And so you're asking them a question they can't answer so I, that's a question I never asked now, how you planning on getting down might be a question I might ask now, why are you climbing up the tree? You're climbing up the tree just' because you feel like climbing up the tree. I get that. How are you gonna get down from there? I'm gonna jump. you sure about that <laughs> right <laughs> you know it's a little hard in the house you know <laughs> you know it's, you know that's the question I would might ask. How? What? How do you plan on getting down? How do you plan on getting out of that situation? Not don't not because if you ask them how what their plan is, then you're questioning their desire. Well, I think okay, how do you getting out of it? Knock yourself out. Climb a tree. Boy, you want to climb trees? I understand. Just you know, it's why do you want to climb that tree? Because it's there. Why do you want to climb that mountain? Because it's there.
1: Well, that's the next one on the list. How will you get down?
0: Yeah. Well, just skip the first one, and it's time to get down. And, of course, now they're getting overly complicated. Because you can't do all of that. Pick one or two.
1: Can you see the end of the path? That's a good one. Can you see?
0: Yeah, but you can only do one or two of those. Because otherwise, you're going to annoy the living bejeebers out of them.
1: Can you hear the rushing water?
0: Yeah, but that's just as bad. If you have a constant running dialogue about every potential danger, that's just as bad as saying be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful.
1: Try using your hands, feet, arms, or legs. Okay, that's a suggestion. Sticks, rocks, babies need space. Do you have enough space? Can you go somewhere with more space? Ooh, take your time. And the ever popular, I'm here if you need me. That shows confidence.
0: Hey, the, the you know the one you want to know if the dad's ever popular popular one. Don't come crying to me. I <laughs> told you not to do it. <laughs> Hey, it sends the message. Be careful because you ain't gonna get no sympathy from me. I'll take you to the hospital, but you ain't gonna get no sympathy from me. <laughs> it's dad's roles, man, Dads and moms have different roles. We do And you know you can both play you can play either role, but there's there's different roles. There's the comforting role and then there's the pushing role. There's both, you need both. Kids need both. They need to be both comforted and, and and supported, but they also need to be pushed. You know, they need to be reminded that, you know, when they're an adult, the world is a cold, cruel place. You better be prepared. Even if you have everything you need, the world is a cold, cruel place. Your family cares about you. Those that love you care about you. And Alliance of Nebraska, cares about you. But the rest of the world <laughs> are busy with their own lives. It's not that they hate you. They're just busy with their own lives. It's not that they don't care about you. It's that they don't know you and they're busy with their own lives. It's, you know, it's not necessarily as cruel as probably the wrong words. It's a cold place because everybody's busy. Yeah, when you do scratch underneath into everybody's individual lives, the world is one. But when you're by yourself, on your own, yeah, in between those, you know, it's a cold place. got to be prepared for it otherwise there's, I mean, look out today look at all these kids who don't understand walking in the streets you know they're kind of lost because you know, my kids don't have this problem your kids don't have this problem we taught them about the cold cruel world <laughs> but how many kids out there went off went to college got insane deep in, in debt because they didn't realize that. You know, once you're out of that college environment, it's a cold, cruel world.
1: It is a protected environment. I love being in college.
0: <laughs> yeah, college. It, it but those kids in college don't understand how did they have it, and so I understand when they get out and they get smacked with the world, the realities of the world. It's a shock. We didn't prepare them very well as a society. We didn't prepare them for that shock. It's a failure of the education system, but it's a failure of society at large as well. It's a failure of us as parents and friends and neighbors. But be too hard on ourselves. We're all busy, we all got our own lives to live hard to know how that stuff plays out over time all right what's next love no we did the dog one hold on we can talk about the dangers of not treating bipolar disorder it's on my screen it's not one that was on our list but it's something you're What you got?
1: What to say when someone is dealing with hard times, battling disease? I'm here for you.
0: Hey, let's talk about this common myth of mental health. Okay. Busting five mental health myths. You aren't trying hard enough. That is a, that is a, often a myth that, that people see because it's hard to know, it's hard to see when people are trying. It's hard to know. How do you see what, you know, the mental work? How do you see other people's mental work?
1: You don't.
0: Are you on the right page over there? No. It's on the the thing.
1: I I click on it and I come up with what, what is bipolar disorder. The
0: ones for the mighty. It's the second one on the Mighty.
1: What is bipolar disorder? What psychiatrist won't you do now?
0: You're not clicking the right link. Yes,
1: I am. That one. This one?
0: Yeah. My bad. (laughs) I'm sitting here watching you click the wrong link. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway.
1: Okay. Where are you?
0: We're right at the start.
1: Death of a family member?
0: Where are you? It's the five mental health myths.
1: No, I have what to say when someone is dealing with hard times.
0: What? Oh, I
1: clicked the wrong
0: wrong link that time. Ha! There we go. Oh, 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 oh. I I hit the wrong button on that one. We simply aren't trying hard enough. Guys. Yeah, we simply aren't
1: trying hard enough. (laughs) What? Why would you say that to someone?
0: Well, it's not even necessarily you say it. It's a myth. It's a mental health myth.
1: It's a mental health myth. Okay. I mean, they're All not, right, they're not saying you.
0: what people say. They're saying what people might think. And there's a lot of people who think that you're not trying. Yeah, well, trying
1: hard enough to overcome. I get you.
0: Yeah. Well, people who don't understand something like anxiety disorder, will take a, a an easy one because anxiety disorder, that 19% of the people currently out in the United States have an anxiety disorder of some form. And if you don't have one, you've never experienced it on a, ongoing basis I mean everybody's had an anxiety event you know you've got a big speech to give it's kind of unprepared you get the sweats and you kind of go through that but what you don't do is you don't go through that every day when you have to go buy a hamburger at the the same hamburger you know this hamburger joint you've gone through every day for the last five years it's you know there's a difference and people think that Oh, well, if you wanted to get over that kind of thing, you could just do it. Because that's how they've experienced things in their lives. When they have a challenge, when they've had anxiety, they just, you know, they reframe it, and they plow through it, and they're fine at the other end. They don't understand the long-term consequences. And it happens with all kinds of mental illnesses. They don't understand that there's a difference. You know, these things are called disorders because they don't make sense. And so people who... Haven't experienced them, uh, don't understand that part of it. And so they think, well, if you can't get, haven't gotten through it by now, it's been five years. You know, I've been going th- to therapy for what, 10, 15 years, 15 years. And what, you, you haven't got over it yet? Never gonna get over it. It's not possible. I can learn to cope. I can be stronger against it. But get over it? It's not going to happen. <sighs> Medications are not the answer. Well, they're not always the answer. But there
1: is no, uh, there is no magic pill. I'm sorry. No. There is no magic pill. I wish there was. But... You no, know, but there isn't no a magic pill, but there is something that can that there are medications that help.
0: yeah, they can be part of the answer.
1: They are a tool in the mm-hmm. toolbox yes. they're part of the
0: answer and yes. for and for some severe cases, they may be a required tool
1: and for me, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to walk around crying all the time. That's what happens to me.
0: Yeah, so it's something. It's, medi- it's, it's these things are complicated. The relationship between medication and treatment, and like the only medication I generally take is I use marijuana for anxiety treatment. You know, slows the head down. That's really what I take it for at this stage. Slows the head down. Sometimes helps me sleep. You know, on occasion we use it for recreation, but.
1: Not much.
0: Not much. So you know, we all have our own paths through life, and I use it because I can control the dose per a day basis as I need it, not rather than where I'm forced to take a pill every day, whether and get the dose right. And if that particular thing works, uh, it's such an aggravating process. So there is that.
1: It is a process. It takes about a year to find the right medication, yeah. in my experience.
0: Yeah, so it, it's – but they're life-changing when they work, so
1: uh, – Yeah, they change my
0: life. So, you know, I don't want to get anybody down on taking the medications. It's their life-changing when they work. It's just you find the ones that work for you. And, it's, you know, it, prayer will make your mental health issues go away.
1: Well, here again, for if, if you have a faith, it is another tool in the toolbox.
0: Well, here's the thing about prayer. Prayer and meditation are very similar. Yes. One can make an argument, and that prayer is simply a form of meditation. If I wanted to get crass and not talk about religion and the disposal of God, and just talk about the actual structure of of how prayer works. It's the same thing as meditation. Okay. Now, spiritually, completely different. I'm not going to compare the two because I have no comparison. I'm not a religious person. I don't have the spiritual things. I can't tell what happens to people spiritually when they go through prayer. But from a technical aspect, it's meditation and prayer are fairly similar. The process is the same. You connect, in and you connect with your inner self. And you have that conversation. You, you get to the true parts of yourself with prayer. You're doing it to God and with meditation. You're doing it with yourself, your spirits, the, the world around you. You know, you, each individual, unique person has a unique relationship with that. But then well, again.
1: I can both. My meditation is reaching inward. Mm-hmm. My prayer is reaching outward.
0: Yes, but you reach outward with what?
1: Huh?
0: But you're reaching outward with your inwards.
1: Well, it, it is an both an inside job. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. It's it's, that's
0: what I mean. It's just technically you now. Again, it, it manifests it. it I'm not comparing the function internally. I'm just comparing the external because they're, com- they're clearly, they're a different relationship. People have the relationship with God and the relationship with, with it's different. I'm not going to compare those two, but oh, okay. uh, I, I'm talking about the technical, you know, how the, what it does into your mental pathways and all that kind of stuff, how it oh, affects,
1: oh, oh, okay. Okay.
0: how it affects your spiritual. That's a completely different, how it affects your mental well-being is a completely Different thing than I'm talking about from, you know, how to get to that place where you can actually have a good prayer session and a good. Day. The process of getting to a good prayer session and the process of getting to a good meditation session are relatively similar. Cut. You know, you can look at it on almost any religion, you know, you have a nice little kind of routine that you go through, you center yourself, you clear your mind, you have, it's, uh, it's the same mental pathways. It, it, different, I, and I'm not comparing past that. I'm just saying getting to the point where you can have that conversation is, any office. Gotcha,
1: gotcha, gotcha, gotcha,
0: Mental health conditions are not that serious. Well, let me tell you this. Your mental health can affect your, your physical health. you have a long-term anxiety disorder you can eat the lining of your stomach and then you end up with all kinds of health problems. You have an untreated bipolar disorder. You treat it with drugs or alcohol. You end up with liver problems. You have untreated depression. You end up with eating disorders and the diabetes or whatever health problems try with that. So this notion that, you know, mental health issues, conditions aren't that serious. They're deadly serious. Forget the fact that they can lead you to suicide. We'll put that aside for a second. But just the effect on your body, your physical well-being. And then if you're not interpreting the world correctly, what's the effect have on your family? your friends, your communities, your job. You know, the future of society. That's how people end up with suicide. And we've got suicide rates skyrocketing and people want to think that mental health issues aren't serious. Not serious because they haven't had to deal with them. But they're clearly serious. They can destroy lives. I mean, a mild case of depression happening at the wrong time can completely destroy a family. And how, you know, is that not serious? Anyway, so we've got the next one. All violent people are mentally ill, mental illness causes violence. It's not actually true. Um, predators are not mentally ill; they're predators. You now it's, it's clear. If twenty percent of the people, nineteen percent of people, have an anxiety disorder, if the world was mental illness was a caused violence, the world would be a much more violent place. The reality, it's not. We notice mental illness when it, hap- when it happens in violence because it gives, gives an easy excuse. Oh, Lord, they're just mental ill. It's almost why I don't like the term mental illness. I almost think we should divide it between mental illness and emotional illness. Mental health and emotional health. Because the spectrum is so large that catching someone with a treatable depression or treatable anxiety or treatable bipolar and someone with severe schizophrenia, those are two vastly different things. Yes. You know, someone who's dealing with eating disorders because they've had experienced trauma, you could probably label that under emotional health. And then schizophrenia and the more severe mental health issues, call them mental health. But it's so hard to know how that conversation, you know, will will that allow society to ignore the mental health? Well, we'll focus on the emotional health, and we'll just continue to sweep the mental health patients under the rug. I don't want to sacrifice them either. So it's not a clear, there's no clear answer. I don't know which one's right. But we have to do a better job talking about it, which means we have to talk about it because that's the only way you have a better job talking about it. And we are out of here for tonight. That's all the time we have. Thank you guys for joining us. You can find us at latenightlove.us. You can contact, we over there at love at latenightlove.us at love at late night love that is right you can find me on twitter at jazz and please do us a favor like share subscribe tell your friends and all that very good stuff that we all like to have good night and remember to love everybody
1: good night <laughs>